Blog Talk Radio. Good evening and welcome to Beauty Talk. I'm your host, Janice Tanel, for today, Sunday, October 2nd. Thank you guys for tuning in. Just want to remind you guys that um, if you have a comment or a question for our guest tonight, please give us a call at 914-803-4399. Again, that number is 914-803-4399. I'm going to turn it over to Ms. Denise. So she can greet you as well. Good evening, everybody. And once again, thank you guys for joining the show tonight. Um, Thank you for being here with us week after week. We appreciate you. So excited about tonight's guest. But before we do that, I just wanted to bring to you um, one quick announcement um, from the Powder Group. Um, They are, in honor of the Makeup Show California um, this weekend, that took place this weekend and continuing throughout Monday, they are extending their show special of buy one, uh, buy one year, get a year free um, as far as the membership to the powder group goes. Um, so their uh, TPG community for this week only through Monday, tomorrow, October 3rd, they, ex- they are extending their sale, buy a year, get a year for free. The powder group pro uh, community is the most connected community um, in our industry today, and they are excited for all that they have in store for the coming year and beyond. More education, more community, more inspiration, more connections to the most committed artists and pro-loving brands in the industry. Um, If you join or renew by Monday, October 3rd, again, you get a free year when you buy a year membership. Um, So you can go to thepowdergroup.com to uh, renew your membership or to get a brand new membership. 
which will be two years. So basically the membership includes relationships that will, that will change your career forever, as they say, <laughs> free members-only events, including the Brand Summit, Summer School, the Potter Group Pro to Pro, um, exclusive online member community that keeps you connected, job postings and notifications from their members and brand partners, industry partner benefits, complimentary subscription to On Makeup Magazine, special rates on all the Powder Group online and live events, advanced registration for the Powder Group programs, special member exclusive product offers, um, member discount on tpgproshop.com, the support of the most committed pros in the world in regional artist listing, um, helping people find you and hire you. So to be a part of the biggest makeup artist family in the business at their very special buyer year, get a year free rate, you can uh, go to thepowdergroup.com. All right. Thank you so very much. And I'm not going to hold our guest any longer. Um, our guest tonight is one of my favorite hairstylists to work with, always a lot of laughs and lots of love. Please welcome al Kasim Watson. Hi. Hey. How are you? I am fantastical. I cannot complain. No one wants to hear it, <laughs> I, I'm assuming. <laughs> no, not really. <laughs> <laughs> Make it you know, it's a whole... First, first thing to check it out. Yep. <laughs> so how, is, how has your weekend been going? You know what? Everything has been good. I can't complain. Um, very busy. I had a wedding to do earlier today, so that was fun for one of my clients. Um, and that was great. And then I had, a, unfortunately, had some people that were coming in to uh, get units, um, some of my crowns for my wig line, and they were coming from Florida and had to cancel because of the the fear of the storm and flights getting canceled and all of that. So, but other than that, you know, great thing about it, we can always ship to them. So that was okay. Yep. They were a little disappointed. They wanted to come in, but it didn't quite work out that way. But, you know, there's always other options. So other than that, it has to be about how the weather turned out because that was a big yeah. kind of concern, I think, for everybody. And we thought we were going to probably just be shut down. But, you know, thanks be God, it worked out. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, we want to hear all about these crowns and everything else you have oh, going on. So why don't you introduce yourself to our listening audience and tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do. Okay. All right. I think I can do that. I think I can do that. Well, hello, everyone listening. I am al Watson. Um, I am a hairstylist here in Atlanta. Um, some may know me from my social media handle, Prince Kasim. Um, I am originally from Oceanside, California, and we migrated over to uh, Winston-Salem, North Carolina. Um, I did end up going to hair school first, and then I migrated to Atlanta for college. Um, and I graduated from uh, Morehouse College. I went to beauty school um, at Dudley Beauty College. Um, and then from there, you know, after college, uh, while I was in college, I kind of, you know, started into the video world, doing hair for videos and that kind of thing, which transpired me into working in um, television and film more. And um, and then I bought my first line 
I would have to say back in 2001, my graduation year from Morehouse. And that kind of catapulted me to stay in Atlanta because all the TV work was coming here. And I guess the Lord saw fit to keep me here. And um, and the rest is pretty much history. Um, my mom's from the Philippines. Um, and, you know, so I have a multicultural situation going on. So that's that's been a great experience for me. Um, and I am a product of a, um, my father was um, killed in a hit and run back in 2010. But, you know, he was the one that kind of gave me that advice as far as following your dreams. You never pushed us to go to college, you know, as if that was the only thing. You say, well, if you don't go to college, you just make sure you're doing something with your life. So I definitely hats off to my father, rest his soul. Um, And everything out my whole journey has um, worked together to create the man I am today, and I'm very grateful. And I got to meet fabulous people like you and your sister, and we've been family ever <laughs> since. So I'm excited on what happens think? from here forth. But it ended up jail bad to me. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's back up just a little bit. Tell us what inspired you to go to cosmetology school. Interesting story. And I'm glad that you asked that because it's probably not what people probably would expect considering what I do today. Well, long story short, um, my uncle, Arrest Tissot, that passed away earlier this year, um, Larry Watson, he was a hairstylist. And um, in Winston-Salem, he was like one of the go-tos as far as the hair industry went. Um, And growing up in Winston-Salem, like after you would leave my summer programs and stuff like that, I would go to his salon and um, work as like his receptionist in the meantime, because I always was needed to be busy, and I wasn't one that spent a lot of time hanging in the street. So I was always, you know, being a PK, you kind of a little sheltered a little bit, but I did have the privilege to work with him. So I started, you know, uh, doing his receptionist work, you know, filling in his books, cleaning up the salon, and I would just sit and just watch him throughout the day. And I'm I'm a visual learner, and and I just started to watch what he would do, and then I would sneak over, grab one of his mannequins, and kind of mimic what I saw him doing. So during that time, a lot of his clients and friends go, oh, my gosh, like, your nephew looked like he's going to be following your footsteps and blah, blah, blah. Now, throughout school, like, especially all the way up to high school, I was a straight-A student. And, you know, I love school, blah, blah, blah. My uncle would always say, oh, no, 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 he's not going to make money with his hands. He's a smart straight-A student. He's going to make it with his brain. And I don't know if that triggered something. Almost it was like I know he was, you know, uh, speaking highly of me, but it kind of registered almost like, wait a minute, is that like a challenge? Like I know he knows I can be successful with my hands. So, Subconsciously, I think it kind of triggered something for me. So I continued to, you know, kind of nurture my skill set, but still in my mind not really saying I want to be a hairstylist, not for real. So, but I kept, you know, of course I used my sister as a guinea pig, of course. And then, you know, my female cousins and friends, everybody was like, no, you're not doing anything to my hair. We're not going to let you touch my hair and blah, blah, blah. But Soon as they saw my skill set kind of like coming like clockwork, then people started to get comfortable with it, okay? So then high school, I was drum major while I was in high school, 
And our games were on Friday. So Thursday night, I would do all of, like, the flag girls' hair, some of the dance team girls' hair, and that became a thing. So when it was time to graduate, I mean, I was accepted at Martha. It was the only college I applied to, believe it or not. And me being the first person in my immediate family to go to college, there were a lot of things about, you know, college and stuff like that that I just didn't know. So the day I should have been in Atlanta for the when the freshmen come in for freshman week, I was sitting at home waiting for my award letter for financial aid because my fear was I didn't want to drive all the way to Atlanta with my family. And then, you know, once I get there and they're like, okay, Mr. Watson, we need $10,000 in order for you to enroll, blah, 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 and then I have to pack up and go back home. I didn't want to be embarrassed that way. But what I didn't know is that I was able to actually just call financial aid and ask them <laughs> what my award was and know exactly what I needed to do financially. But, you know, um, so that was a funny story. So my dad was like, well, why don't you just go to um, – why don't we enroll you in hair school and then, um, you know, it's going to be 10 months, 10 months, and we can defer your admission, and you can go to school next year. So I was just like, no, I don't want to go to hair school. I thought that – I felt like hair school was going to change the way I did hair, all of that. Lo and behold – that is not what happened. So then I started thinking. I said, okay, one of my best friends was a year after me. So I said, well, we wanted to be roommates, but that, that wasn't going to happen if I went to school when I graduated from high school in 97. So I talked to him, and I said, well, have you turned in your name for a roommate? He says, no. I said, okay, perfect. I'm going to change it over. I'm going to defer my admission I'm going to go to hair school first because my dad was like, you know, you're going to the hair capital, one of the hair capitals. Get your license. You're doing hair anyway. Make your little money on the side, you know, and you won't be the broke college student. So I said, you know what, that sounds good to me because what did I do? I did love making money. So I said, okay. And I took him up on that idea, and never in a million years did I, did I think that making that decision to defer my admissions into Morehouse for, you know, for the for a year, go to hair school, get my license, that it was going to lead me to where I am today. So that's my story. Like, even how I even got into hair, it was not my first choice. It was not my passion at the time or any of that. But, you know, like we always say, you know, God has another plan for you. And sometimes we may not understand the path he puts us on, but if you're faithful and you, if you're diligent and just listen to what he says, try it out. Right. You never know where it can take you. And that's kind of what right. happened with me. You know, I was on my way to, yeah. you know, I wanted to be what Eddie Murphy was on Boomerang. I wanted to go and be into promotions and marketing and branding. <laughs> Believe it wow. not. But I still <laughs> did go get my marketing degree. And now my marketing degree is what helping me in hair that I, wow. in the beginning, did not want to do. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I love wow. <laughs> I just love your dad's vision. Yeah. Yeah, and I would have to say that was one of the best sets of advice that he gave me that I my conscience said try it. You know, not that he's ever encouraged me to do anything that I shouldn't have, but you know, just to, to that point I said, "Okay, you know what? That makes sense." 
So let's try it out because I don't want to just be trying to figure out what I'm going to do. I want to maximize my time. And that had a great, you know, that sat, the, the end result sounded good. So I jumped right on it. And here I am. But you know what, Al? A lot of parents normally try to get you to do something. When you say, oh, I want to go to hair school, they try to get you to do something else. You know what I mean? Right. Or if you want to say, oh, right. I want to be a singer, I want to be an actress, they, they try to get you to do something else. You know, right. be an accountant, a right. lawyer, a doctor, you know. Um, yeah, yeah. So for him to encourage you to move in that direction, I think is amazing. It's amazing. Yeah. And it, it, yeah, I do too, and I agree, and I'm very grateful that he saw what I enjoyed, and, and, right. and at the end of it, you know, my dad was always wanting to try to look to say, how can you support, as long as you can support yourself, we will support you, whatever that is. And he saw how lucrative that my whole hair journey was, even though that I never talked about like, oh, I want to be a hairstylist, and da, da, da. he's just like, yo, you just happen to be good at this. You know, nurture that so you can put that in your back pocket and still go do whatever else you want to do, you know, and it, and it works. Right. And, it, and I'm very grateful that I listened. Yeah, and so are we. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so I can just assume that there there are no regrets in how it all came about. Like if if you had the opportunity to do this all over again, would you approach it differently? Absolutely not. Absolutely mm-hmm. not. And and the reason why I wouldn't is because, you know, one thing with being a PK is that, you know, we, there's a lot of traditional things that we learn and we're taught, right? So mm-hmm. it was one of those kinds of things that one thing that I that was easy for me to embrace was the idea that he will never leave you or no, he would never leave you nor forsake you. So for this to happen, I always felt like even at a young as a young kid that anything that I felt that was coming from him above that it had a purpose, that everything happens for a reason. You know, the journeys that we're on is not by mistake. And so with believing that, everything that I've gone through in all my life, you know, I give it over to him and say, look, God, if this is not where you desire me to be, just remove me from it or place me somewhere Mm -hmm. else, bring up something that will change my mind or whatever. But otherwise, I'm going to go where you send me. And in the way that my life has gone through college and my whole uh, journey with this, this hair thing and beauty is that I've enjoyed everything and I've learned so much and I'm still excited about everything else that I'm going to learn because you never can learn it all. And it's always a learning process every day. So I wouldn't change a thing because what I've experienced is, is it has helped mold me into the individual I am today. So no, I'll leave it. (laughs) Nice. Nice. What inspires you, Al? What inspires me? You know, if I had to pick one thing that inspires me, I would probably, if I, right off the top of my head, I would have to say the the um, the reward of applying yourself. Hmm. Whether the good, the bad, or the indifferent, it's just a simple fact that we all have choices. We all have that ability to make choices, right? And mm-hmm. so everything that we get involved with, there we have a choice of how we're going to handle it. 
We may not control the situations we get into all the time, but we still, no matter what, we have the space of making a choice and then reaping whatever the benefits or the outcome can be. So for me, it encouraged me to try to make the best decision based off my knowledge or my experience to deal with that situation and look forward to whatever comes of it is what it's supposed to be. So to me, it's that no matter what it is, whether it's financially, whether it's uh, relationship-wise, business, or anything, just having the ability to make a choice and that my choice could have such a enormous impact, which I look at that, you know, the result of a, of a choice is like a, a reward for me. Mm-hmm. You understand what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Because whatever it is, whatever the choice that you make, somehow whether it helps you learn a lesson, um, you know, earn, you know, get an award, uh, some kind of accomplishment or whatever, or even if it's something that was a challenge, I feel like whatever you were supposed to get out of that challenge is a reward for you because that will help you on the next thing. Something about it will help you, and I'm always looking for the positive out of everything that I deal with. So if I'm staying positive with it, you know, I'm inspired by knowing that my choice, I can have a a hand in what ends up happening in the result. So I look at it as like a reward. So I got that chance because, you know, in our history, you know, being, having that moment of, having that moment of choice taken away from you means that you have no choice but to accept whatever comes of it. But to know that you have some kind of input to it, because I I know God controls all of it for me, but to know that I can play a part in that and we can, me and God can be on the same accord, if you will, whatever comes of that, I can use that in my life and make it work for me in a positive way. So that's what I would have to say inspires me, being able to have a choice and know that there's a reward that can come afterwards. Nice. So let, let's go back just a little bit. Talk a little bit about when you first started doing hair, like what were you doing? Like what was your specialty back then? Like was it anything that you loved to do the most? Um, and and how, did you, how did you learn it? Did you just start doing it or see it done? What was it? Right. Hmm. Okay. So when I joined this beauty industry, it was updo's. Finger waves, all of that was the it thing. And it was almost like creating a piece of artwork. You know what I mean? So Mm -hmm. I just remember I took this one class, and it was part of the vocational studies in high school. And I remember taking this class, and we had a, 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 a part in the curriculum where you learned how to finger wave. And a lot of the students, in my class was struggling with this whole finger wave idea. But for whatever reason, it came to me like it was like, I don't know, like it was almost like, okay, I'm going to create your hands to make finger waves (laughs) and updos and that kind of thing. And that right there, I mean, I would have to say so myself that I would finger wave 
every way I could, up the side, down the side, up the neck, <laughs> straight back off your forehead. And, and it was something that when you looked at it, it was such a um, – the architect of how the waves were done, you know, it was just almost like – it was like art to me. And then updos mm-hmm. was a thing for me. You know what I mean? That mm-hmm. and updos, and we had the French rolls and the buns and, the, you know, all of that, that was my thing. That was my thing. And um, and I would have to say that I felt like I was pretty good at it, you know, I would have to say. And with the finger waves, like I said, initially it was really about um, – it was really about me um, – Watching, like I said, I was a I was a um, person um, that just was good at just watching, and uh, and like I said, I was a visual learner, and I would watch. And I think it took my instructor maybe like one good time to show me how to do it, and then mm-hmm. I kind of looked at it. And then what I did was I took how they taught me to do it and try to make it work for me the easiest way and then after that it just came and it kind of was kind of caught me off guard with some of the stuff that came so natural because coming that I hadn't done before all I've seen is just watched it and it worked out so thank you um so that was that was pretty crazy to me but yeah finger waves and up dudes oh you couldn't tell me nothing <laughs> you couldn't tell me nothing that was that was my thing <laughs> Well, what about like what about <laughs> before you before you went to you know cosmetology school like before then when you were just doing hair what was your specialty then? You know what? Before I even went into it, what was happening is well, for one, um, having with my mom being Filipino and my dad being you know African American, our hair it wasn't kinky and then it wasn't straight either, so. It was some stuff that I could do with, like, my sister's hair that I would have to work a little harder to do other things. So, for instance, when I figured out how to use a curling iron and all of that, you know, a spiral curl was, like, something that I did that I wasn't taught how to do. And I don't know if I just kind of figured it out by mistake or because of the texture of my sister's hair, it made it work. (laughs) I don't know which one – really took precedence, but I think <laughs> when I learned, you know, first of all, I happened to just take away a curling iron from my uncle's salon. <laughs> he didn't know this, but I took a curling iron, <laughs> and then, you know, I went to town on my sister's dolls. Now, she wasn't, she wasn't a doll girl, but she had them. I mean, I would take those scissors, and I would see stuff on TV. I was cutting asymmetrics. So do you remember when Cabbage Patch Doll came out? And, you know, they used to have just the yarn hair. But then this is when they started to put, like, the, the corn silk type of hair on the Cabbage Patch Doll. And most of them had, like, two ponytails. But the inside of the ponytails were normally bald. You only had hair, like, around the edges, and they made a ponytail. Well... You know, Edward Scissorhands here would comb that hair down and, and cut. <laughs> I, I remember cutting a asymmetric little haircut like salt and pepper and them used to wear. I remember cutting my <laughs> sister's doll like that 
and figuring out. Now, I burnt a couple of pieces with this curling iron because I really <laughs> didn't know what I was doing with the curling iron, but I figured out how to use it because I was trying to make stacks. I was yeah. trying to make stacks, but it's hard to make stacks when you have hair on the top and the bottom and nothing in between. But it worked for me. Now, I just combed it like I needed it. <laughs> but, yeah, I remember spiral curls was something that I ended up doing. I think I just learned that by mistake, maybe. I just remember mm-hmm. wrapping hair around that curling iron, and after the first time of the whole curl coming off because I left it too long, I figured, okay, I may not need to leave it on that long. <laughs> so I'm going to do this again and see what it gives me. And the second time it wasn't a burnt curl. So I figured I was doing it right, and then I later learned that that was what it was, a, a spiral curl, if you will, like mm-hmm. a Shirley Temple, some people called it, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Hilarious. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <clears throat> so it's just like, you know, just trial and error and trying things. But I was listening, listening to you talking about um, stacking. Uh-huh. How did you even know? How did you even know that that was a thing? You know, it's so funny because um, what a lot of people don't know before even tapping into hair, I was a dancer, and okay. from well, three years old know. up. Yeah, <laughs> a lot of people did not know that or don't know that about me. Um, but yeah, so I'm a dancer. So being a a male dancer during that time, it was like, oh, you got this guy that can dance. I wasn't a sports guy. You know, I wasn't a sports kid. The most to sports Mm -hmm. that I did was I ran track, you know, and I really didn't do that until, you know, I was a little older, like in high school. But before that, Mm -hmm. you know, I didn't, you know, I didn't play the football and the other thing. I was doing double dutching in which I competed in double dutch, believe it or not. I used to compete in double dutch in fun, and i never seen it done before. When I learned it's two ropes instead of one, I did that, and I was a dancer. But most of my friends were a bunch of females. Now, this was during the time when Gary curls, or as we say in our technical term, soft curl permanent, we, you know, a lot of them at this time were transitioning from the jerry curl into like relaxers, if you will. And I remember there was a girl in my neighborhood and her name was Keisha. She had the best curl ever. I mean, her curl, you was like, cause she went from the regular greasy jerry curl to like, like the, the leisure curl or some people call it the Hawaiian silky curl or something like that. So it wasn't as greasy as the regular jerry curl. So it almost looked like you had like this, French refined type of curly hair, you know, just not as greasy. And I mm-hmm. remember when she was coming out of that and she transitioned to doing the whole relaxer thing, she came and she had this haircut. And it looked like what I used to see on like salt and pepper and all of them. And I'm like, oh my God, your your hair, like how did they do that to your hair? Because first of all, I didn't know, even know how they did the Jerry Curl anywhere. I just knew that it was just curly situation, and it just was left a mess everywhere. And to see her go from that, then her hair was like straight, and it was like curled and had the little, the little, you know, the asymmetric thing. And what I was amused by is that 
it had the little, you know, the, the shaping of the hairstyle, the stacked hairstyle. So I didn't know what it was because the only thing with really a shape, you, you knew stuff like the mushroom or something like that, you know, which was kind of just flat and just curled tight. But this one would had like a, it had like a little volume to it. And I remember asking, I thought, oh, well, what, what, what did you do? What did you do with their hair? She said, oh, I got my curl reversed, and I got stacks cut. And I said, okay. The whole idea of stacks <laughs> is, you know, okay, when you're putting something on top of each other to build it up. And so I saw how the hair had, you know, it had that layer to it. So I said, so with the hairstyle, she said, yeah, I got my curl reversed. And so, you know, because a jerry curl, you're making the straight hair, you know, you're making hair curly. Even though in a jerry curl, you straighten the hair first, roll it up to make it curly. So she said, I got my curl reversed and got stacks cut. And that just kind of blew my mind. And I'm like, in my mind, I'm like, how in the world did they get your hair to stand up, you know, in this perfectly even shape and it would stand out off her head and I was just amused by that and she would tell me yeah so when they curled it they cut it and then she took the comb and she lifted it up and it all fell together now mind you I didn't know that you know stacks you have to cut it in a graduated type of curled all this hair all together took your comb and just combed it up it was just going to automatically just stand in that stack like that, but that wasn't quite what ended up happening because I know my cabbage patch, my Swiss cabbage patch didn't quite do that. So, and that that's how I what a stack was when it came to hair because of my homegirl Keisha and how she did it. Her hair was fabulous. <laughs> and so I, I was determined to figure out how to get it, but of course how to make <laughs> the technical stack didn't come until later until I learned how about hair cutting and all of that. But yeah. That's how I learned nice. about sex. <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice. You were known. Say, like, say it again. I'm no, sorry. Go ahead. I kind of went out. No, I was just going to ask you, since you're talking about hair stacking, and earlier you mentioned, like, the, the updos and the finger waves and all of that, like, I'm sure you've competed in some hair shows and hair competitions. And you know what? I actually did. <laughs> when, I, when I decided to go to hair school, Dudley's, you know, uh, Dudley's have, they had their whole Dudley product line, and it was a popular, you know, black-owned business with black products. And a lot of people across the world know about Dudley products. And they, their main campus was in Kernersville, North Carolina, which was the university. But they had smaller locations in different cities. And I went to the location in Greensboro, North Carolina. And, of course, like I said before, I thought that they were going to change the way I did hair. But it was nothing like that. They just, you know, hair school teaches you the technical way to do this and the professional way to do that and all of that. So I remember when I went to hair school, because I had been doing hair, so long, there was a lot of things when it comes to the designing of hair and the creation of hairstyles that I ended up being good at because of me, you know, honing and, and mastering the craft. Now, what people fail to realize is that hair school teaches you the technical things. And what makes you a great hairstylist 
is taking those technical things that you learn and mash it with the creativity of creating, like, artwork. Because everybody that has a license that is licensed and know the technical way of doing things when it comes to hair may not be the best type of stylist, if you will, as far as being creative and creating hairdos. And and there's a difference. Just because you have a license doesn't automatically mean that you're going to be this famous hairstylist because it's, it's a mix of the technical part and then your creativity and the styling that 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 marriage together is what makes you a great hairstylist, in my opinion. Well, um, I remember when we were going in, and because uh, in hair school, you know, you have to do your theory first, and after you get so many hours in theory, then they start to take you out on the floor to start working on mannequins and stuff like that before you get to work on people. Well, when it came to the mannequins, I mean, and when it came to uh, they teach us how to do a roller set, how to, you know, technically do the finger waves and haircuts and color and blah, blah, blah. When it was time to just go with it and just be creative, I loved that part, and I took it very, very serious. So I remember the hair school itself would have um, a hair competition, and then sometimes we would go and compete with some of the other campuses. Really, the Kernersville School because that was the closest one. And we would go there and compete with those students there. Not to brag, but I used to win all of the hair competitions at my local school. Then when it was time to go compete to the other school, they was, you know, everybody was confident, like, oh, yeah, we know we're going we're gonna to bring whatever category Al ends up being, we know we're going to bring that award home. You know, and some people had their strengths. You know, some people were great at haircuts and blah, blah, blah. But I remember I would win so many of the contests that I remember the last contest we went to the Kernersville School. <laughs> the instructor, my instructor, Miss McLean, told me, she said, now, I am so proud of you and you do great work. But what we're going to do is we're going to just use your mannequin this time as just like, you know, to be featured. In other words, they didn't want me to compete this time because they wanted to open it up for other students to win. And (laughs) I was a team, and I I felt horrible about that. And I was like, oh, and I get it. But she, she didn't, it wasn't like she was saying, look, you can't compete no more because, you keep winning, and nobody else gets a chance. And I think that was starting to discourage some of the students. found out that I was coming with the Greensboro School. Everybody was like, okay, you know what? Forget it. I'm not even going to enter. And I was like, it was almost like I was feeling guilty about that. And I was like, no, I'm not trying to take anybody's shine away. I want people to win, but I can't help if they choose my stuff over everybody else's. So at that point, I was just like, oh, you know what? Mr. McClain, I'm with you. I'm good on that. I'll, I'll just take the thing. Because, I mean, I had every competition we had, every, you know, I was winning, and it was just working out in that way. And I wasn't doing it. I enjoyed what I did. I wasn't doing it to win. I just loved what I did and, and, and what creating that these hairstyles did for me creatively. Um, I just enjoyed what I did. It wasn't that, oh, I'm going to win this one. I'm going to win this one. It was just like, okay. Let me see what I can think to do this time. 
And for whatever reason, the people that were the judges were so impressed with whatever I did that, you know, I ended up winning the competitions until the point they were just like, okay, well, we want the students to find out that you're doing it. People, people decide to not participate, and we want everybody to participate. So if you don't mind, we'll just do yours as a, you know, a display and just, you know, uh, uh, you know, just a, as a, you know, like a display thing to encourage people about the show instead of me competing. So it never was, you know what, we don't want you to compete this time because you keep winning. So they tried to do a nice thing, but when I thought about it, I was like, oh, no, I don't want to discourage people like that. You know, I'm not trying to take anybody's shine. And after hair school, I never competed in hair competition since. Mm. And I've worked with Warner Brothers for years, but more so Mm -hmm. on the fashion and the modeling side. I did a couple of platform work things whenever they wanted me to come as a guest and that kind of thing. But outside of that, uh-huh. I never entered a competition ever since then. And I graduated hair wow. school in 1997. I wow. Sure I never, I never ever, did another hair competition thing. Which, I mean, now that some years have passed, would you, would you consider doing that? A competition, not so much, because once again, like I said, you know, when it comes to the creativity, when it comes to like, you know, beauty and that kind of thing, it's a preference thing, which, I, you know, and stuff like that when it comes to just whoever's judging and it's just whatever they prefer, to me, I just kind of feel like, I don't know. I just feel some kind of way about it. That's just like beauty pageants. You know, it's just like you're competing. I know there's criteria that, you know, whoever executed whatever the criteria is, the best or whatever, but it was like, you know, beauty contest. It's like, in essence, it's just about us picking who we think is the prettiest. But that's not fair or right because who you think might be pretty, I might not think is that pretty. You know, eyes is in the, the eyes, of, you know, of the beholder, that whole thing. But I don't know. To compete into doing hair, I don't know. To be a part of a team, to do platform work, to showcase the skill set and the talent of a group of other beauty professionals, I'll do it all day. But to compete in it, uh, I don't know. If the, the competing part of that doesn't excite me, unfortunately. Because I just think it takes away as an artist, it takes, it takes you know, it's a showcase of what we, of our own personal style and creativity. And, you know, I think sometimes competitions can send a, a, the wrong message to other people to where it's like, oh, I'm not good enough or my artistic ability is not good enough or anything like that. And I think creativity is just an expression of an individual's thought process and what they deem to be creative. And to compete to it and then to take home and say, oh, I didn't win because mine wasn't creative enough or what, you know. And then I know it's just all about a preference, you know. People that come to me to get their hair done may like what I do. Somebody might come and might not like what I do. You know, that doesn't mean I'm a bad hairstylist or I don't know what I'm doing. You just don't prefer what I give, and that's okay. 
you know, different stroke for different folks. But for me, yeah, you know, I don't know. I don't think I'd be that interested in competing. But to be part of a team to showcase what we all can do, sign me up. Yeah, I, I totally get that. Um, now, you're known as a hairstylist for film and television. You work with celebrities. Your crowns are wanted. <laughs> um, <laughs> and you're, you're an educator. Talk to us a little bit about each of those things. Okay, yes. Um well, like with my story, you know, I started, you know, like most people in the industry, you know, you start out the salon life and that kind of thing. And, you know, um, many relationships catapulted me into other areas of the beauty industry that I didn't think the beauty industry could connect me to. Um, so with working with celebrities, where my first salon was in, in college, I was in the um, little eclectic area called Little Five Points here in Atlanta. and this was a small area that was very creative. I mean, you saw people of all types of lifestyles, genres. I mean, I mean, it was just a, a small area of businesses that were owned by a whole bunch of creatives. And there was a clothing store called Envy that was two doors down from me. And, um, and these young ladies were originally from um, Canada, Toronto, Canada. And uh, the clothing store was called Envy. And the owner and her sisters, they all participated in doing a wardrobe styling for videos. And so when I came in, one of my best friends from college started working for them while we were in college. So when I started working at that salon that was two doors down, you know, I knew about them, and I ended up just doing their hair. So their clients that they were styling for would see their hair and be like, oh, my gosh, your hair is slamming. Like, who's doing your hair? And they were like, oh, one of our guy friends has a salon, and he keeps us together. And they're like, oh, we need to hook this up. So it worked in their favor because, you know, you kind of keep the glam squad together. And, uh, and that's how I got introduced into doing celebrity. And um, my first celebrity that I was able to connect with was Carrie Hilson. And at the time when I met Carrie, she was here, and she was just known as a writer, and I, they had me do her for a fashion show. And, you know, our relationship flourished from there. You know, that blonde bob, that page boy, you know, I had a little bit to do with that. And, you know, and I worked that out a little bit. And that just opened up other doors with other um, celebrities because, you know, everybody talks, you know, and, and I the area where, you know, it was word of mouth. You know, we didn't have – social media wasn't the thing like that you know, like it is today. So you had to put right. in the work and people would talk about it. So you had to show and prove. You didn't have the filters and the, all the other bells and whistles to, to cover up or to make yours look even better. You had to be and deliver what you say you can deliver. That's the time frame right. I came from. So, and, and the word just kind of spread and people were talking and they were referring, blah, blah, blah. And then I started working with celebrities and then that's when a lot of the people in the music industry, there was more of them getting into regular television and film and becoming actors. So that kind of opened the door to transition into doing, you know, television and film outside of, you know, videos. 
you know, uh, but then going into television and film, and then they would just take me with them. And my first real production that I was a part of was uh, the major show when the Monique show came about. And that was the, you know, the late night show that was here on BET. And that was like my first real, like, full-on, full-on television project, you know, as far as, you know, being behind the scenes with television and film, for real, for real, and being a part of that and your name is in the credits. That was my first project. Um, A lot of my friends came from doing makeup and stuff from, like, CNN and stuff like that. And, um, but, yeah, Monique Show was my first. And after that, my television, film, and working with other celebrities, I mean, went through the roof from that point, which catapulted me into the whole thing with um, my crowns. And for those of, you know, that's listening that know, don't know what that is, I decided to um, – weaves and extensions were, like, my number one ticket as far as uh, in the beauty services, you know, that I offered. And um, extensions and, and things like that, you know, it takes time. That's a process that definitely takes time. And with working in television, time is not really – what you are usually allotted, okay? So you don't have salon time in television. You get me? So I always was thinking, I'm always thinking of how to make this convenient all the way around. So with understanding the type of time frames that I had working in television, I knew that if I wanted to give an actress a sew-in, I ain't, I ain't going to have enough time to do a sew-in on a regular production day. So I right. started thinking of, like, a ways to make this easier for me, easier for the client, you know, and you because know, I was still in the salon still, too, and working in television. So I was trying to figure out ways, how can I make it faster in the salon? You know, I don't want you in here for mm-hmm. eight hours. You know what I mean? Right. And, and I definitely mm-hmm. don't have eight hours working in TV. So that's how right. I start, and I started to think about. I wish I could just take my best sew in and be able to just take it off, put it over to the side, clean it, and put it right back on, and it looks the same way I did when I first put it on. And I said, kind of functions as a wig, but I can't say wigs because the word wigs just scare people. You know what I mean? And I said, okay, I got to figure out how this can work. And when I thought about it, I came up with the whole idea of, I said, I don't want to call it a hat, you know, and I'm like, okay, what can I call it? So I said, a crown, you know, you wear a crown, you know, and we reference the word crown as in royalty and stuff like that. At the time, Mm -hmm. my email address was Prince Hollywood. Mm -hmm. Funny, right? So (laughs) when the social media really started coming, I couldn't sign up as Prince Hollywood because apparently that was like a popular thing. Oh, so wow. I had to change my email to Hollywood Prince. So <laughs> then I started thinking all deep with it and all that, you know. So when I think about it, I said, you know, I'm still learning. I'm still developing. So I'll take on the title of a prince. And we all know that eventually, over time, at some point, a prince turns into a king. Right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I said, okay, so I'm, I'm good with the prince because I'm still learning and, you know, and I, eventually I'm going to, you know, 
get what comes to me that's just, you know, owed to me. You know, our Father has many kingdoms. They have a lot of mansions. And I'm going to get one one day, right? So I said, okay. So I said, okay, you know, I'm going to call it crowns, glamour crowns. Because now that's going to be like, and say, oh, I got a glamour crown. And they're going to be like, well, what's a crown? You know, and, and you go going to explain it, and then they're like, so it's a wig. And it was like, no, it functions like a wig, but it's a crown. And it became a, 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 a topic of discussion. So people were thinking that, that you were getting something totally different than your traditional wig. And you are because this is more custom. You can't buy it in the beauty supply stores. And, 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 that, and it's the experience of it all. So I decided to go and trademark using the word crowns to in place of the word wigs. So I was able to trademark that in order so no one can use the can reference or replace the word wig with the word crown. Otherwise they will have a problem with me. They'll be in violation of my trademark. So that's where I came up with that whole thing to try to dispel the things that come up and make people nervous about the word wig and change it mm-hmm. to so it's called Prince Kasim Glamour Crowns. And from there, you know, it sparked a thing. And all it was is almost like taking your and be able to, because you know what a traditional sew-in is great the first day, then as time go by, your braids start to move. It's not, the hair is not where it initially was because the braid is loosening. So if the braid is moving, the hair is moving, blah, blah, blah. You're in the salon two hours because you want your braids to dry, blah, blah, blah. Some people leave the salon <laughs> right. too long. So then you're mad because your hair is in a worse state than it was when you first started, blah, blah, blah. So, and I was trying to just dispel all of that. So with that, I created the whole idea with the Glamour Crown to grow hair because promoting um, – Healthy hair has always been my number one ticket. You know, I can do, I will try to do whatever I can, but I'm going to do it the most healthiest way that I achieve that. That was my first priority. So that got me into the whole wig line. And as hairstylists, or people in the beauty industry, um, I don't think enough of us do what we can to encourage people to consider our industry just as serious and just as profitable and just as important as becoming a doctor, a lawyer, or anything else. You know, because when I went to hair school, people were like, you going to hair school? No, it was this. You going to do hair? And I tell mm-hmm. them till this day, if I gave you my textbook, you would look at my textbook and wouldn't know what to do with it. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't know what to do with it. I don't just do hair. You know what I mean? There's a thing that we do. It's a whole thing that we do in this beauty industry that we, I don't feel that we get enough credit for for what we do. We don't just do makeup. We don't just do hair. You know what I mean? There's a, there's a thing. Yeah, there's, a whole process, there's, a whole, there's a whole thing that comes with what we do. And um, so at that point, you know, I said, I need to make sure that we – I'm going to do my part trademark my wig line, you know, to make it to let people know that I'm serious about this thing. So now I use my own things to support what I do when I'm working on television. Instead of outsourcing, you know, for other wigs, other places, I'm able to provide that service with a a legitimate business 
by a hairstylist, you know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. I don't just mm-hmm. do hair, you know. And then from there, you know, nobody, no two people do things the same way. And I just feel like everybody has their own way of how they do things. Wigs have been made since the beginning of time. You know what I mean? So what I'm doing is not a new Eureka thing, if you will, the concept of it, right? The way that I choose to do it, my process, the things that I take my clients through when it comes to crowning them, no one's doing the way that I'm doing it, if you will. The experience Mm -hmm. is not the same, you know, because they don't know what I'm choosing to offer. So that's where the whole educator part comes into because I think that I was never one of those stylists that I'm just doing stuff and I'm keeping what I'm doing, what I'm using, and all that stuff as a secret. You know, right. and I've worked with stylists that they don't they will put whatever they're using in a in a nameless container, you know, because they feel like whatever they're using is a top secret situation. No, 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 no. For me, it's enough for all of us here. And I'm all for sharing the knowledge that I have because I may be using something that may solve some of your problems. You might be using something that can solve some of my challenges. You know what I mean? It was never that, oh, what I'm doing, I'm going to keep it to myself. You know, because in hair school, I was always taught, like, you know, everybody does things differently. And our journey is going to be different, and what's for you is for you. You know, and I wasn't, I'm not trying to block nobody because guess what? God has continued to bless me to have an overflow, so if I can't do it and I know sister girl over here can do it, guess who I'm going to refer him to? To sister girl, because mm-hmm. I'm not going to be able to do it and I'm not interested in killing myself trying to take it all because it's not humanly possible for me to do that. So that's where the educational part comes into, and I said to myself, my end goal is to have a beauty academy to where I can put whatever it is that was instilled to me and try to instill it into other people because I feel like we're kind of suffering a little bit in this beauty industry. And mm-hmm. we're, I feel like we're supporting a microwavable situation. And yeah. I don't think that creates longevity in my opinion. That's just my opinion. And I just feel that somewhere, somewhere the focus or our purpose has been watered down Yes, we make great money, we can make great money, but at the end of the day, there's more to what we do than just making money. We make money because people, what we're doing, but we need to just be mindful of what we're doing. We don't want to make money, but we're causing problems. You understand right. what I'm saying? Like, I don't, I don't want that thought process. You're coming back to me because you're getting from me that you weren't getting somewhere else. And it's not just because you just like me because you think I'm fun and I'm nice, but you see that something is going on differently with your hair, whether you're wearing extensions or not, that you weren't experiencing somewhere else. And I'm willing to share with you what I'm doing that could be the possible result of you getting the results that you're getting now that you weren't getting somewhere else. So if anything was to happen to me, and you have to go to, you know, Tammy in the other salon. You can tell them, you know what, Al used to use this on my hair, and it worked great. It grew, blah, 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 you know. And maybe if they're open to it, they may try to try it. It may work for them. And then here we go. We're sharing that knowledge, and it's, it's replicating itself to a, a better beauty industry. And if we all did that, 
I think this industry could be turned and we can take control, take the control back. The beauty professionals can take the control of it and not have other entities that are not us running it when we're the people that are doing it. But I think if their lack of education, whether it be business, technical, or whatever it is, it's, it's, it's not enough of us sharing that, I believe. <laughs> so that's where the educational part of it that I have a passion for doing that. So that's kind of how all three of those kind of come together. You know, I'm not rambling, but yeah. <laughs> you did that. You did that beautifully. I mean, yeah. you tied it all oh, together. <laughs> 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 that's um that's great. You have you really have an inspiring story. Um and people I say that because, you know, a lot of stylists that you you know, you work with either in the salons or a lot of stylists that you that you work with on set, people really don't know like your story and yeah. How yeah. you got to where you are, you know. Um it's a great story, and it sounds, even though that wasn't something that you started out wanting to do or even thought you would even ever have a career in, but I think once you you said, okay, this is what I'm doing, it sounds like over the years, you know, up until now, it's like you knew what you wanted, how you were going to get there, and, and what you wanted to offer to either your clients yeah. or, like you're saying now, to other stylists to help them along the way. So it's good yeah, because yeah. a lot of people aren't at that place yet in their oh, careers yeah. and don't Absolutely. know how to get there. Right. And don't get me wrong, you know, for me, you know, transitioning into, I knew that there was an entrepreneurial spirit that was just mm-hmm. in me. You know, and I saw it mm-hmm. through my father, and I think it was something that I gravitated to, right? So in my mind in mm-hmm. the beginning, I knew that what? I wanted to make money, right? And right. what kind of made that moment of choosing to, to embrace the beauty industry and being a part of that was that you don't really know what you really love to do until you're exposed to it Yeah. to an extent. You know what I mean? To say, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? how do you know you don't like snorkeling if you've never done it? You know what I mean? So yeah. I knew I wanted to make money, and I remember having a mentor say to me, it was like, if you want to be an entrepreneur, think of something that you love to do, just that you can love to do, and create, you know, a whole thing with it and figure out a way that you can make money from what you're loving to do. Mm-hmm. And that, that, that concept to me was like, okay, that was just embedded in my brain. So as my journey in life happened and I was finding out there were certain things that God had instilled in me that just needed to be nurtured, it just needed, you know, it needed some type of exposure to it, connection could happen. And then he left it up to me to take those concepts that I learned about life and being successful as an entrepreneur, and he allowed me to take those concepts and connect it with the things that I love to do, and I was able to take that and make a business out of it and make money from Mm -hmm. doing it. So I enjoy waking up and being excited about going to work about what I do. Now, I'm human, so sometimes I'm physically tired and want to take a break, but 
the thing right. about it is, is that at the end of it, when I do, when my human connects with my mental, and I'm like, okay, well, at least I'm going to do what I love doing. To do. Mm-hmm. You know, and then the rest of it just start falling into place. And I, like I said, I don't regret any of it. And I'm excited about what's going to happen from henceforth. <laughs> yeah. That's that's great. Yeah, that's yeah, great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What do you what? And I, I think you touched on it a little bit earlier, but what do you think? What does it take to be a great hairstylist? One who's doing very similar to you, you know, working in film and television here, working with um, um, working with celebrity clients and providing crowns for for your celebrity clients as well as for actresses on film and TV and just for the general public as well as, you know, um, being an educator and wanting to do an academy. What do you think it takes from a person to be able to actually be able to get to the point where you can do those things successfully? Right, right. Well, I think to begin with, I think you have to take the time to learn, understand, and accept your purpose in life. I think Mm. that's the first step because Mm -hmm. I think a lot of us get involved in things that we just – that may be just popular or trendy or whatever, you know what I mean? And we just fall yeah. into the gap of what's happening, and you find yourself trying to – you lose who you are and your 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 initial goals because you got to adjust to something because you're trying to fit in and be the it thing with everybody else. But it's mm-hmm. hard to stay the path when you're not clear on what your purpose is on this earth at this time. So we we try to we, – we, I feel like we put more energy into create, trying to force ourselves to become something when we haven't taken the time to learn what's there already or what mm. we're capable mm-hmm. of doing or any of that. So we have a disconnect. So, therefore, your foundation is a little shaky. You know what I mean? So I think for right. one, you just have to get, get try to get an understanding of, of your space and your, your, your purpose or what you feel like you're put here to do. And then combining that with whatever you start to gravitate to based off your exposure and your, you know, and you being able to tap into it and seeing it and you embrace it, oh, I enjoy this. This makes me feel good and I feel like I'm doing something with this or this is kind of interesting to me. Then you can marry those things and then when you come with the concept of like, okay, then at that point you have to think about one thing I had a space where I, I heard like on a, a radio show or something, and the question they asked was, what do you want your legacy to be? Mm-hmm. And that thing kind of struck me a little bit, and it's like, okay, if I leave this world, what would I want people to remember me about? You know, what would I want people to remember about me if I, when I leave this earth? You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. I take that concept and try to add that to my outline of how I was going to move. So I'm like, okay, let me get in, let me not get involved in things that I may not be favorable for people to remember about me 
when I leave here. You know, you know, you know what I'm saying? I'm not saying I'm not going to get yes. all of it. You know, we're going to do things that we may not be proud of, and that's just the journey of life. That's just what happens, right? Talking about mm-hmm. your legacy and what you want to leave behind, ultimately, you know, I said, you know, I want people to experience my journey and to be encouraged by my journey. You know what I mean? But in order for these things to manifest, there was there were certain connections and foundations that I had to create and to build in order for me to get to the next level that was destined for me. So, mm-hmm. and, and create a plan of some sort. It don't have to be the end-all, be-all plan, but having a plan allows you to at least stay focused and do the things and, and, and utilize your time to utilize those things that will help you stay on your plan. Because as humans, we will get distracted, and that's what happens. But when you have a plan, at least you know when you find yourself deterred from the plan, you can jump back on and look down your plan and realize, okay, this is where I fell off. Let me jump back, and you got it. But if you don't have some kind of plan, you will fall for just anything, just because it feels right or you just think it's right or somebody told you that you trust told you to go do it. But Mm -hmm. those things are going to happen regardless of whether or not you have a plan or not, but they're going to have a different effect. Have a plan. Now, now, granted, plans can change. You can revise your plan as you go along. But once again, having that connection with yourself, being able to know what your purpose is, and being able to connect with the things that you love to do and your, the ability and the desire to share that with the people amongst the world, you are able to connect those things and things that are not associated or doesn't, you know, uh, 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 deposit into a positive movement to mm-hmm. the plan, you don't, you don't waste your time with stuff that's going to waste your time as that's much. Right. right. You know what I mean? So once again, you got you to gotta build on everything. And I always tell people, look, create a foundation and build on it. If you take a house and if the foundation is shaky, guess what's going to happen? That house mm-hmm. is going to crumble. But if you have a foundation, mm-hmm. when you get ready to do the first level, if, it, if whatever you were using in that first level and it doesn't, you know, hold the house up, it may fall. But guess what? You still got your foundation, though. Okay, these ty- this type of wood didn't work. My foundation is said, let me go try another wood. So when you do that and you finally get that thing to get you on that first level, now not only do you have that first level of the house done and your foundation is good. So then now what? Right. Now I want a second story. I can work on the second story, right? But we want to go to we want to go ahead and put the roof on it. And and it's like, sweetie, you can't have this house. <laughs> the roof means nothing when you don't have a, a the foundation or the in between to put it on. Right. Okay. Right. You know, you picking out what you're going to use for your roof, sweetie. You ain't really quite there yet. You know what I mean? Who knows? You may get there and realize it's going to be an open roof. Who knows? But you're ready to already get there, and you you done skipped over all the things that that comes in between this 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 building process that you have neglected. But now you're concerned about the roof, so out of line, so out of order, and then you wondering nobody why nobody wants to rent it, nobody wants to lease it, nobody wants to sell it for you or anything, right? So I think it's, it's, mm-hmm. it's everything builds upon each other, and being educated on whatever it is that you need to do. You know, there are some things that we may just kind of figure out, 
but it's okay. You know, knowledge is power. The more that you know, the more creative, the more uh, attractive, the more uh, um, uh, desirable you become because you're able to show and, and confirm to others that you know what you're doing, like you have credentials, if you will. You know, some people can talk and make it sound fabulous. But when it's time to execute, it's almost like, oh, what's the disconnect? What's not happening here? You know, so I just think all of those things work together to give you a solid uh, uh, support to get people to to, to follow you or to believe what you're saying, you know, because you're putting in the work. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, Time is not on our side, but it's not worth to rush it. And then if it's not right, then you got to go back and correct it. Now you done wasted time just because you're in a hurry to do it, but you're not doing what you should to kind of help you on each stage. I'm okay with starting small. You know, I'm okay with starting small and adding on as it works out because, you know, I want to make sure that everything that I'm including is, is, is working together for the better good. And I think sometimes we, we get impatient and we want to jump the mm-hmm. gun, and then we pay for it in the end. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Um, yeah, and I think people can see your passion with it. One thing I learned in business school was with a business plan, after you make the business plan, when you present it to somebody, somebody can, should be convinced and get an idea of everything that you're trying to do from your introductory page. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So if you can't give somebody that introductory page, people may not have time to do your 100-page business plan and read through it. You know what I mean? So that just explains and shows them how you you, you got the credential. This is why I'm I'm, I'm standing behind because this shows you how I did it. But in my introductory page, I want to be able to give you an idea of where I'm going, why I'm doing it, and how I'm going to get there. And it's only, it's only so many words you're going to be able to put on that one page. So you better make it good. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, yeah, I think building right. that foundation, connected, you know, you know, well, you know, connecting with yourself, understanding your purpose, connecting with what you enjoy and what makes you feel good, you know what I mean, and, and, and makes you feel alive. That's just connecting with your purpose. Putting a mm-hmm. plan together and getting the education and the knowledge you need to put that plan in effect, I think just with that can help give you a stronger, you know, set of credentials to help you get to whatever level you're trying to get to. Right. And I think a lot of us don't don't do that. And I don't know if we just don't know to do it because no one's told us that. Um, because not not all of it that I know did somebody teach me? I kind of just, you know, I'm observing and I'm watching and I'm asking questions. If I don't understand it, guess what? I'm going to ask because mm-hmm. what I don't want to do is look crazy when I could have simply, you know, just said, hey, you know, how did you do that? Or why did you do it like that? You know what I mean? You That's know, right. and so we feel like we want to walk around and make people feel like we know everything. So we don't want to ask because we just think what we're doing is the end all be all. And that may not always be the case, but I'm not too proud to share or to ask if I'm not clear, if I'm not aware, or any of that. And I've been in positions where I've been told to figure it out. Mm, mm-hmm. Now, when you do that, now be, be, be mindful that that's exactly what I'm going to do. 
Because <laughs> if you're just telling me that just because you don't want to tell me or whatever, okay, right. that's fine. Because I guarantee right. you, <laughs> I guarantee you, I am going to do what I need to do to figure it out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, but I think with those yeah. things, I think with just those characters, I think that would help. I, you know, there may be other things, but that I know that's what helped me to get me yeah. to at least where I am today, you know. And I think if you at least start there, because I don't think those are things that are far-fetched or unreachable or intangible to people, you know what I mean? And once again, that goes back to us having those choices and the ability to make certain choices to get us to the next level or to the next phase of what, you know, is there and, and set forth for our destiny, so. Absolutely. Last question. Okay. What's your your definition of beauty? Wow. What's my definition (laughs) of beauty? Hmm. That's a good question. That's a good question. And let me see how... You know, I think I would have to say my definition of beauty would probably have to be, I think beauty is the manifestation of what a person values. Hmm. And and what I mean by that, I think that, of course, what we think is beautiful, what each person thinks is beautiful is based off of, it can be an emotional situation, it can be an emotional connection, it could be just a, you know, uh, or a desire or whatever. But I think when it comes to, like, just beauty, because I don't look at beauty as just, you know, a physical situation or like, you know, oh, you're just a person and you're pretty. I think right. beauty to me is more so maybe like more so like an, an, an expression or a, a, a feeling maybe or an emotion to mm-hmm. where beauty is like it's just a manifestation of like what you think is valuable or whatever. I think seeing two people being comfortable to share and 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 have public display of affection is 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 an example of beauty. A uh, mother mm-hmm. giving birth and giving life, I think that's an example of beauty. Um you know, I mean it's not something I don't think beauty can be bought. I think beauty exists and has existed since the beginning of time. Mhm. But what a person thinks is beautiful or whatever is just a manifestation, a manifestation of you know what you think is valuable, yeah, or what you think that is important or 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 has a has a I don't know um, just it's just really that it's just like I think you can call something beautiful. And because it, it may resonate something that reminds you of something or whatever, but I think it's just. And when I say what do you value, looks 
you know, I mean, they're going to come and go. You know <laughs> right? what I mean? But I think, like, and when you say beauty products, I feel like whatever beauty product you create is something that you, in that beauty product, is probably going to have some valuable things that you think that the skin needs, right? Mm-hmm. So when you're building a beauty product, I think that product is a manifestation of the things that you think are important or valuable. Same with, a, you know, a wig line. I'm like, okay, well, I'm a true, I want to make a wig line, and I'm doing it because I want people to have, you know, options and not feel like, oh, because my own hair won't do this, that I have to look crazy or that I can't, you know, get a, a, a wear a look that I desire because my hair is not long enough. Or, you know, I'm dealing with a health issues, so I can't grow hair, you know, but that doesn't mean that I can't you know, toss my hair back and forth. I can't whip my hair back and forth, you know. So, therefore, I'm <laughs> creating this product or I'm doing – I'm I'm con- contributing to the beauty industry to help because making people feel good is valuable to me. And I think me creating my uh, crown line and everything helps that concept with my clients, makes them feel mm-hmm. good, makes them feel pretty or makes them feel however. But that's important to me. So in a nutshell, and that may just be sounding like way deep or something, but when you ask me that, you know, I'm like, hmm, I never really thought about it, really, as a definition right. of beauty because, you know, it, I think it's to each his own what they think beauty means. Um, but I, I do. I think I think my definition for beauty would be the manifestation of what people feel are important or valuable. I love that answer. I love that. Oh my gosh. I think that whole PK thing started to Oh, thank you for having me. This was great. This was really, really great. I'm honored to be a part of this. Yes, this was a great conversation. Um and inspiring as well. Oh, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. So what's so what's um well that was the last question, but this is the next the very last question is what's next? Gotcha. Anything you what's you next? hoping to do that you haven't done? Yes. Um I am in the process now. Um I've been procrastinating or not really procrastinating, but I've been kind of sitting on this idea for a very long time. And I think that it is now kind of resonating in my spirit a little heavier than before um, as far as the next mm-hmm. level of my career. Um, I mm-hmm. am now putting together, um, you know, a course situation of um, starting to do my uh, wig weight making classes. And and I think I said with that I'm like you know what going into the whole branding of everything I said it's now time for me to you know start the process of sharing the knowledge on a, a platform as far as the instructional edu- and educating type of thing um, as well as helping with people in financial issues and stuff like that as a hairstylist or as a creative we know. You know, we get to the point where we get creatively stumped and we need something else to keep us going. You know what I mean? And um, right. and I think I'm at the stage now that I think I can 
focused now to try to finally put this together. I've had people reach out to me that want to learn, and I'm like, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming. But I'm starting to get the itch for it, and I think, you know what, I don't know why you're waiting. Let's go ahead and just give this thing a one-two try and uh, mm-hmm. and just see where it goes from there. So I'm at a point now, I'm, 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 I've always been willing to share information, but now to put a structural situation together to people that are interested and that say that they're really interested, you know, because people say one thing and, you know, the actions say something different. But, you know, right. after the pandemic and people with these financial struggles and stuff like that, and it, and it really affected even us who work for ourselves and where we're the money maker, if you will, we're, like our talent is what was making us money was affected mm-hmm. by it as well. I said, you know what kept me going was that even though my salon, I had it closed, it didn't stop me making money because I continued to make my crown. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, and I said, oh, yeah. you know what? That helped me. And I said, and there's so many people that have the desire to do it. And, you know, to me, it may just seem easy, but I know for other people, it's not that easy. It may not come that easy for them. So I said, you know what? Let me take another step into helping and doing my part in the beauty industry to try to help some of my brothers and sisters out. And if they want to know how I'm doing what I'm doing and, and being blessed with it, I'm, I'm ready to go ahead and start, you know, putting a, a structured opportunity for to share that with other people. So I have some classes that are coming up, and uh, we're working on it. We'll probably try to kick them off. I was hoping before October, but, you know, life is happening. So, um I'm looking at, you know, early November. I want to get it in before 2022 is over with. So Mm -hmm. if they're following me on social media, I will definitely uh, let people know when the enrollment starts, and it will be different levels that I will give because I think we need to do that instead of doing one class for to complete the whole idea. I'm going to break it up Mm -hmm. because I think, you know, know, like they say, we obtain 20% of what we, you know, what we participate in. You know what I mean? So if I give you too much information at once, I want this to stick. I want you to be able to understand it and be able to tell somebody else. But if I try to go through the whole thing in one class, you're not going to be able to do that. You're going to miss something. So it's going to be something for everybody, whether you've ever made a wig on a machine or not. Doesn't matter. It's going to be open for everybody. So that's where my focus is right now, you know, outside of everything else that, you know, I'm already doing now. But this is something that I want to do um, for the beauty industry and whoever's interested. So, yeah, so they can follow me on my on the social media, and they'll find out when to start enrolling, and we're going to take it from there. All right. So please keep us posted, and we'll help post about it as well. But shout out where people can find you on social media and your website. Yes. You can find me on Instagram at Prince, P-R-I-N-C-E, like King, Queen, Prince, underscore (laughs) K as in kangaroo, H as in Harry, Y as in yellow, and then seam like a seam in your pants. So it's Prince underscore (laughs) Kasim on IG. And um, same with, like, Facebook, you can kind of search the same thing or just search my whole name, Alcasim Watson. Um, and our website is www.kgbeautydepot. Nice. Woo-hoo. Again, thank you so much, Al. We really appreciate you. 
Yeah, thank you so much. And I think you ladies are doing a fabulous, fabulous job with what you do. And I can't wait to our next project together. Me either. <laughs> so I'm sure I feel it in my Shondo. It's coming. <laughs> yes, it's coming for sure. <laughs> it's coming for sure. Yes, thank you yes, so much. Absolutely. Again. And thank you to everyone who tuned in tonight. We greatly appreciate you guys. Um, that alarm going off tomorrow morning at 3 is quickly coming as well. So yes. we're going to jump <laughs> off right now. Okay. <laughs> yes. Uh, thank you again. Uh, I love you, ladies. You we to love life. you, too. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you so much. Until the next time. All right. Talk soon. Bye-bye. Good night. All right. Thank you guys for tuning in. We greatly appreciate you all. Um, Have a wonderful evening and have a beautiful and blessed week, and we'll chat with you guys next week. Good night, everybody.